What's up, everyone? Welcome again to another episode of Doc's Point of View Podcast. I'm Trey, as always. I'm only a few episodes into this, but if you're new here, I talk to other corpsmen and discuss their career path and anything else they want to talk about about the Navy. But I also have another series where I discuss by myself or with other co-hosts just thoughts and experiences, and we share stories just about anything that has happened in our career. You ever been walking through the Navy Exchange and wonder why all the Naval Pride and Heritage gear is horrifically ugly and you wouldn't actually wear it? Have you ever wanted some really cool gear and you just don't know where to go? Well, I got you, fam. Go to dgutsapparel.com immediately. Get yourself some Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. Uh, We're working on new designs all the time, open to ideas. We're trying to create a brand that uh, lets you display that pride, but doesn't make you cringe. Uh, Also, if you're willing to and you're able to, please go to patreon.com slash podcast, pick one of the five tiers and become a patron today. So today I got to interview a great guy. He is an advanced x-ray tech, but he has a unique story because right now he's getting his master's degree while active duty and he's challenging to become a Navy chaplain. It's pretty cool. I haven't, I've never seen that happen yet in my career where a corpsman goes chaplain and we kind of get into it, uh, and his backstory and his motive, his intent. He's a wonderful dude. And at our command, he's been filling the, the role as the RP for our chaplain, but he's PCSing soon. So I'm grateful that he has come on and got the chat with me. So without spilling all the beans, let's get into it. Okay, welcome to this show. As with any other guests, I like to give it to you right off the bat. I don't really know you that well. We talked a lot in the office, but uh, and the audience definitely doesn't know you at all. So give me as much as you feel uh, comfortable with, and we'll go from there. Okay, awesome. Well, happy to be a part of this podcast. Um, I think that what you're attempting to do with this podcast is really special and important, especially right now with the Navy and how things are with retention, um, trying to recruit new guys in. So it's important to hear our stories so that people get real perspective on things from people who are in right now. Um, And I just feel that I have a story to tell on what the Navy has done for me. Um, so, um, growing up, uh, grew up as a preacher's kid and had my nose clean up until college. I got a really good opportunity, a good scholarship to go to college, but I just did not have any plan. And therefore without that plan going into college, I kind of went buck wild and, you know, being able to drink being able to kind of have my independence um, did not bode well for me. And I got into a lot of trouble, uh, never in trouble with the law, but there was definitely like you're, you're partying hard with no direction in your life, no guidance. Um, there were a few times 
growing up, you know, in college where it was looking back, I, I truly do believe that God was looking out for me and had a bigger plan for me because there's no reason why I should be alive today. Um, I lived off of a highway um, in North Carolina and it was a really busy strip of highway. And one night we, me and my friends were drinking hard, going to strip clubs, doing all the things that you do in college in a small town. And um, I don't remember any of that night other than, you know, chugging a bottle of Jack. And I had flashes of, you know, being at a party, being at a strip club with my friends. And all of a sudden, uh, next thing I know, I'm in my driveway and I'm just like in my uh, boxers and a t-shirt. I'm like, I don't even know how I ended up here. And I was perfectly parked in my driveway. The way that my driveway was on the freeway, you would have to slow down going from like 70 miles an hour to like five in order to make that turn because it was such a sharp 90 degree turn. And the fact that I didn't remember anything of that night and there I was perfectly parked and alive and unharmed, it should have been my wake up call, but it really wasn't. And I just kept that party lifestyle until graduation came and mercifully I graduated, but I had no direction in my life. So that's when I kind of realized that I needed to go, go somewhere, hit a redo button. Um, my fiance at the time, uh, she had just lost her job and now it was like, that was strike two where I realized that I needed to do something with my life. So I went to um, the Air Force recruiter because I wasn't really planning on joining the military. It wasn't something I wanted to do, but I thought, well, what else can I do at this point? Because I pretty much blew all opportunities to have a good career outside of college. So let me just try again with the, the military. Air Force seemed easy enough from what I understood, but the Air Force recruiter was never in his office. And when he finally did show up, all he could offer me was a job as like, you know, whatever their meteorologist, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and just something inside of me was like, you know, I just don't think that's good. I, I don't know if that job would be good for me because at this point, I think that God was really working in my heart to tell me you need to help people and stop being so selfish because look at where selfishness has gotten you. So I went next door to the Navy recruiters and they were professional. They were pleasant. They had a lot of opportunities, a lot of jobs that they could offer me. And the job of corpsman seemed to really appeal to me. And I thought, you know, I don't know anything about medicine. This is a good chance to get into the pool and see where I go. Yeah. So I, you know, decided, yep, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do Corman and see where God takes me with this. So going from, you know, college down to the uh, recruiter station, you know, it was just kind of like everyone was like, man, you're kind of going backwards. And I'm like, yeah, but the thing was, I was not making progress. Did, so, you, did you already have a degree at that point? I did. Yeah. Really? And the recruiters didn't try to steer you? 
the only thing they could really offer me with my degree was a supply corps officer. And I thought... And you turned that down? Or you yeah. didn't try for it? I, I did one attempt. Um, I didn't score high enough on the test, but they were like, you know, if you just come back in a couple months and study, I was like, I don't know. I feel like if I was, if I was supposed to do this, I would have gotten it. And the fact that something in my heart was telling me, you need to help people. Um, and I was like, I don't know. I feel like I'm just going to be a Kroger manager on a ship, Yeah, you know? And I'm like, I, I felt like I was not really pursuing money. I was pursuing purpose. And with that in mind, I was like, all right, I'm going to get a job that helps people. So, so you joined without knowing what a corpsman was. I, all of my recruiters knew because they were different rates was, Hey, they're the guys who, uh, patch up boo-boos on a ship, give out pharmacy meds. Mm -hmm. That's all they really knew. They didn't know anything about the Marine Corps. So that was cool. Yeah, and a big rude awakening for me. Yeah, so I joined kind of kind of the same mindset. I, I was in college, mm -hmm. had full scholarship. I mean, the perfect like ideal path to go, mm -hmm. and I just wasted my time and money in college, and I didn't have any purpose. Mm -hmm. So I, I I literally quit in the middle of a full scholarship yeah. to join the military, not because I wanted to be in the military. It was just on a whim of like, let's do something different. Yeah. And I went to the recruiter's office and I had no idea what a corpsman was. Yeah. But here we are. Mm -hmm. Me and you have, it's kind of like a similar, well, you, you joined saying, I want to help people. I joined, I wanted to leave my current situation. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. I had no care to be in the medical field. Yeah. Like I had, no, yeah, I just I had no care to be in the medical field. Okay, so you go to boot camp, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's the same thing as most people. Yeah. And you go to core school in uh, San Antonio. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you've been in for, what, nine? Twelve. Twelve, mm -hmm. sorry. Yeah. Talk to a lot of people. No, you're good. Yeah, <laughs> 12 okay, years. Okay, so you're 12 years deep. So, yeah, yeah you, you were in San Antonio mm -hmm. for core school. I was one of the first classes. One of the first classes, I bet, because you are like 2011, mm -hmm. 2012. Yeah, yeah 2011. Cool. Okay. And then what was your first assignment after that? Um, so I went to Pendleton um, and I was a PSI at the hospital for like six months, which mm -hmm. was like outrageous. It's just, that's how my orders for field med were. And Did you know they brought that back? PSI? Oh, really? You know how it, it went away for a while. Oh, yeah. But they, here recently, I've, I've been talking to some people that have sailors and PSI waiting to go to field med mm -hmm. where we are now. Yeah. But like for me, I went straight to field med in between orders. So I, I've heard those stories of what PSI was. It doesn't mm -hmm. sound pleasant. We, I had a good time, but I also kept my nose clean. And I should say at this point, um, I think that God had scared me enough with my um, college days with drinking and driving and, you know, being alive. And, and there's a million other things. But that that one story I shared was like the scariest for me now. Um, Isn't it funny looking back mm -hmm. and realize how dumb we are? Yeah. It's very humbling. Mm -hmm. It is. To realize that we're not in trouble, not in prison. Mm -hmm. Haven't killed somebody. I'm just, like just uh based off dumb teenager college age decisions. Yeah. I was literally on the other side of town. Like I could have like 
killed someone, gotten killed, and yet so I that was your wake up call, right? No, no, that wasn't, and that was, the, it was it was that your... was now like, but at the time I was still living that party college lifestyle, and I was like, well, that was crazy. I hope hope everything's okay, and then you just keep partying. So, you, it, but it was a wake up call for you to say I need to change something. It it was like that was kind of. Um, the beginning of my awareness on it where it was like, all but right, that was kind of scary. You slipped back into it at some point. Yeah. I never really like left while I was in college until I was about to graduate. And mm-hmm. I think that was kind of where, cause I'm a very slow learner and I'm like, you know, I don't really see a future going on right now. Maybe all these things are signs. And, um, you know, it, it kind of dawned on me. So, well, what I was, gonna say like during the the time and training throughout boot camp well you can't do anything boot camp but you know a school and you know everything it's like well you can go off base you can go crazy and stuff and i didn't um because i think by that point the navy was the thing where it was like this is your chance to restart this is your chance to have a new fresh start and you had your time and you survived and good for you but no like this is this is your so i took it seriously everything that the instructor said like hey don't get duis hey don't do this hey i took it seriously because i was like yeah y'all are right and i'm like it's a miracle i'm alive in here right now so this is you know god giving me a second chance i'm not gonna blow it so i I, yeah i mean i did have like i had some some of the older guys who were in uh, school with me and stuff like you know we had a couple drinks here and there but like it was like the mature like let's go get a steak and a beer you know that Mm -hmm. kind of thing not going out with the intent of getting crazy going crazy exactly so that was definitely like it was like all of a sudden i realized i was older and now i'm hanging out with older guys and now we're the mature ones who have to take care of the junior younger guys in our class that gave me perspective on shepherding and really um taking care of younger guys um so and just to fast forward the story um i stopped drinking completely you know within within the first enlistment there was no day where i was like i'm not going to drink anymore ever yeah it was just kind of one of those things that just happened because i'm like I don't like how this feels. I don't like how this tastes. I don't like how any of this is. So I just kind of stopped, you know? And it's like, even if like I was to have a sip of beer, like with my wife or with some friends, I'm like, okay, that was it. Um, I think, I think people have to realize what is, what's their intent behind it and what are their limitations. Yeah. And understand themselves enough to know if you have addictive behavior, Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not the smart choice. Exactly. Maybe you like it, but there's you've got to find that self-control of like learn moderation, mm-hmm. which I I I'm more on the side of cold turkey or mm-hmm. you know or 100. Yeah. percent So, and, and but I know my behavior, so I just don't do anything. Yeah. And it's interesting watching other people's. Uh, lives and this has nothing to do with the navy but it's just it's just interesting watching other people mm-hmm. who probably haven't found that yeah. found that out yet mm-hmm. and you're like if only you could see what it's like on this side yeah but you can't you it's can't like, force you people know, to do stuff you know and you can't you, know. you don't want to be 
uh, nagging to them. Mm-hmm. There's the, you got to find the right approach to help people who need it. Mm-hmm. And if they don't need help, well, okay, wait until they wait till they seek it. You know, mm-hmm. it's weird. It's like you know, you can be social and you can have a good time and be completely sober. And what's great about that is you get to remember everything. You know, so. I was watching something literally, I think I was watching something yesterday and they were talking about how life's so short. Why do you want to do something that accelerates time, mm-hmm. such as drugs, drinking? You're you're only on this earth for so long. Why do you want to drink and forget right. or do drugs and not remember what you did? You're literally cutting time off of your conscience, you know, of what you remember your life to be. And at the end, you know, it's going to be interesting. Well, and I think that this goes into like what I was trying to do with alcohol, where it's like you have a purpose and you're here to help people. You're here Mm -hmm. to do things. And when you're not fulfilling that purpose, you're going to try and fill it with other things. And those things are destructive. So everyone finding their purpose. And luckily for me, the Navy gave me that purpose and that awareness. So nice. I, yeah, I know, I I just know my behavior. And for me, I have to turn that compulsiveness because I do something 110% or just don't do it. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't, I can't do something. Oh, let's do do this here, do this there. Like, even my my hobbies. And that's how I, I, you got to turn your energy to something positive, right? Yeah. For me, it was running, Mm -hmm. biking, um, creative work like uh drawing Mm -hmm. doing stuff like this recording you know something that occupies my time and helps me learn something yeah and just going through processes and and getting in the weeds with stuff because if i don't find something like that human human nature is going to lead you probably somewhere you don't want to go and it doesn't typically doesn't turn out that well no it never does when we're selfish you know, and we're trying to like take control like that and never until so. Do you think it's difficult being in the Navy when we all know it fosters bad habits like that, tobacco, drinking, that yeah. kind of stuff? It, it can be a challenge to some and, um, probably a challenge to most. And, I would always say, like, as a Christian in the military, it's like living amongst the Philistines. Mm-hmm. And that was just kind of my running joke. But honestly, at the same time, it's like, it's not really the way I get about it. Because as leaders, we're here to help our juniors. And instead of being like, here's all this like depravity around me. And yeah. instead of me being tempted, I'm like, no, I need to help these guys and help them like make their changes because really we're all here for a purpose. And as of this very moment that we're all in existence together in this organization, our purpose is to protect freedom and overcome this. So whenever you get out, you're going to be a better human being who will then be a better civilian better citizen and you're going to make the world a better place you know and i know it's like a it's a sacrifice and people complain all the time about being in the military but it's like yeah but you're going to be better if you just let yourself be better you know i promise you it's like when people just give up and then they like fall into that depravity they ruin their careers and then they ruin their lives afterwards 
I've had I've had a few conversations lately with people about talking how like okay so we know we are in a recruiting crisis mm-hmm. or a retention crisis mm-hmm. and if you look at the numbers you know it's obviously like E3 and below mm-hmm. people who are like six years and under who we can't keep in so if yeah. you look at E5 E6 E7 all the up we're manned mm-hmm. appropriately or overmanned yeah. it's only E3 and below somewhat E4 and I, I just have a hard time like is the Navy that bad because if I wouldn't have joined mm-hmm. I probably would have been somewhere I shouldn't be or not productive. Mm -hmm. I'd be still living in the same town that just doesn't produce anything much. Yeah. And I know for a fact that if I, because I, I I mean, I joined to get out of something, you know, hat was on a straight and narrow and then kind of goofed up Mm -hmm. with my choices, got in trouble. Right. And then that, that was, that was the complete 180 for me to, yeah. okay, I need to take my job seriously. Our job deals with medicine. If you don't do your job appropriately, you can kill somebody. So I started taking everything very literal, very uh, serious. Mm-hmm. And I completely 180 and have succeeded so far uh, from that point. Yeah. But it wasn't joining. Mm-hmm. Joining kind of gave me a wake up call like, oh, there's a structure to this. There's this organization that will keep you in line. But this organization also fosters bad habits. Mm-hmm. So it's like a two-edged sword, right? Yeah. And it, But it, it took something personal for me to change, mm-hmm. not the organization. And I would say my career path has been rocky at the first, mm-hmm. very Sorry. first part. But since then, and the rocky part was during probably a little bit more strict times. But since then, it's been very pleasant mm-hmm. and I just wonder why are why are the people getting out or why are the people not joining because I think the Navy is pretty sweet yeah. I mean it's, it, you don't have to work too hard mm-hmm. and you get paid pretty good yeah but I know that my my uh, experience is going to be different from every single person so I can't sit here and go oh it's easy you right. know so other people have stuff that impacts their life and it may not even be the Navy it could be their family life you, if you talk to a lot of people, a lot of different people, you might may run into someone's like, "Hey, I'm in the Navy because I'm paying for my parents to have a comfortable life. Mm-hmm. I'm sending money. I'm sending half my paycheck to family members that live in another country right. every month. You know, every month. Or I have a, a a dependent or spouse who has a lot of medical stuff going on that I have to pay out of pocket for. And I'm talking about there's people of substantial rank that have money problems there you know there's all these different experiences and it may not even be the navy that has impacted that Mm -hmm. but i feel like the navy gives you a good structure and foundation to be successful it does there's like if you're not successful through the navy that's kind of on you and people like to blame they like to blame the navy like oh i didn't make rank they wouldn't promote me they wouldn't give me the good eval well, you know, you can't sit there and think like that, you know, because really this is about you mm-hmm. and yeah. this is about what you want to make out of this. Um, 
And what I would hope and pray for anyone listening is I would hope that you would want to be better because of this, because that's really what the Navy's supposed to do. You think about boot camp and what did boot camp do? It took you, the guy, before you became a sailor. It eliminated your bad habits. They beat the bad habits out of you. They increased your good habits and then they replaced those bad habits with Navy values. So the goal of boot camp was to make you a better person, and which is a sailor. And, and standard then, across the board. Exactly. Everyone's going to be the same. Mm-hmm. We're all going to be better coming out of this. Um, unfortunately, but like, do they? yeah, and that's where and the, the caveat is another thing about the military is that people tend to, once you're in the military, who you are can also be amplified like on steroids. So, um, it's almost like if, if you were kind of a funny person, you're going to be hilarious when you're in the military. Mm-hmm. If you were an, kind of a grumpy, angry person, you're going to be super angry from the military. That's like the default human reaction to the change that occurs. So that just means for you, it requires a lot more work on your part to battle that kind of a change where you know your, your default setting is increased. Um, you know, and that's a lot of work that people need to do and they, they're not really like aware of and there's no real, you know, welcome aboard brief like this where it's like, guess what? You're going to change as a person, join the military and you need to make sure you're changing in the right ways because it's really easy to change in the wrong ways. Very. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's, it's very easy to find yourself in a circle where a lot of ne- negativity comes from. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It's super easy. Uh, the thing about negativity is it's very, very it's appealing. Like it's very appealing. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's a good word. You, you hear people complaining and you're like, oof, you know, I got a lot of stuff to complain about too. Let me chime in. Mm-hmm. And to be positive amongst that is really, really difficult. And it's a challenge that I face every day and everyone faces every day to try and stay positive and not like, to the point where you're lying to yourself or mm-hmm. the world, but to the point that you realize, hey, you know what? Today was a kind of a rough day and it was a challenging day, but that's okay because this is an opportunity to learn and grow and do better next time instead of going on with everyone else and saying, boy, this was the worst day ever. This command sucks, you know? I, I try to stay out of that. Mm-hmm. And every day I analyze, okay, what a, as a person, how did I do today? That's what I'm. That's what I'm curious about. Mm-hmm. The Navy's the Navy. Yeah, it's the same. It's gonna be the same when we leave. It's mm-hmm. the same before we came here. It does change with each generation. Whatever. Yeah. I'm. I'm not interested in that. Sure. I'm interested in the psychology and the, the personal aspect of our job. Like I, I enjoy just talking to people about this kind of stuff. And this, I mean, this show here is supposed to be about your career, but we've derailed. Mm-hmm. But I'm okay with that. Yeah. I like talking about the personal aspect and I try to analyze myself every day. Okay. Did I, did I gripe too much? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow I'm gonna try to do better. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, did I, did I fall into that when I heard someone else griping or, and you gotta, you gotta watch who you associate with because mm-hmm. there's a lot of, it's easy to tell when someone just yeah. is quick to, uh, 
say negative things about other people. Mm-hmm. Well, and or, about leadership too. A lot of times people complain about leadership, but it's like, hey, would you have done any better if you were in their shoes? You know, leadership maybe. is very touchy. It's very sensitive. Mm-hmm. And until you are in those shoes, you, you have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Because the wisdom that comes with a long time of being a leader, you know, that's not something that easily comes. And it there's a lot of heartache behind a good leader mm-hmm. because they made a lot of mistakes and they're still going to make them. But that's and the mistakes are what make them great. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like you look at every master chief, you look at every senior chief, you look at all the higher ranking officers and if they're great, well, you're seeing them right now, they made mistakes too. And you know, because they're great, they're going to own up to it and they're going to want you to learn from those mistakes. Yeah. So we're all human, you know, it's like we're going to make mistakes and that's okay. As long as we own up to them, learn from them and do better. And you're transparent with your juniors. Okay, I think we'll, we'll, we'll come full circle on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's move. Okay, so you were PSI. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you went to your first assignment after that. Yep. And um, so what I was... was it blue, green? It was, it was blue, but you could deploy out so of it, on a potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it, it was a blue side. And were you a quad yeah. zero at this time? Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. Cool. Um, so super excited, um, first command, things seemed great, um, hit it off well with my sponsor and his guys and we just immediately became good friends, you know, um, it's going to have my wife come with me and everything. It was going to be great house and base, the whole nine yards, um, things changed and all of a sudden my sponsor wasn't going to be my LPO and I was like, oh, okay, well, I thought this was kind of a done deal. Well, that's okay. Well, um, they, uh, they put me somewhere that I didn't want to be, that I didn't expect to be, but it was actually good for my career. Um, uh, they, they put me in medical records. I was like, you know, all jacked and ready to go. You save lives. And then I get put in records. Um, did you go to FMTB form. in route? Yeah. So, so you went at core school, FMTB, and then, then right to into, a blue side command, right into medical records. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. So that was definitely like all, all my expectations to that point, like completely got derailed. And I was like, whoa, hold on a second. This isn't really what I thought I would be doing. This is not the kind of stuff my recruiter thought or told me that I would be doing, you know. And uh, that that kind of world into itself is very negative. It's and, a very common story I hear. Mm-hmm. Even I, I mean, was I'll speak on my own. I uh, core school went to my first command. I didn't really care about the green side stuff at first. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm going to go wherever. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have, a, I didn't care where I went. Mm-hmm. But I went to a blue side command, and they put me right into a branch clinic laboratory mm-hmm. as a quad zero. Fun. <laughs> what do you do? Okay, well, you're going to do phlebotomy every day. Mm-hmm. To me, I was okay with that. I'm very. I, I'm going to figure out my job. Mm-hmm. I'm going to improve how to do that job. And mm-hmm. I'm going to make it as autonomous as possible. Yeah. Is that if that means I become a robot, so be it. Because I'm, I, I say that for a reason. Mm-hmm. I was very robotic. And mm-hmm. how I did phlebotomy, it was the same thing every time. Mm-hmm. You could almost do it blindfolded, backwards, upside down, whatever. Because you do it every day, all day. You know, it's just a skill that becomes very routine. But is that good for a brand new corpsman? 
Mm. So how was medical records for you? Um, for me, I like you, I made the best of it. And kind of that same mentality of this is how I do the records. I'm going to do them well. And, you know, I came in with that mentality of I'm, I'm grateful for this opportunity and yeah. I'm going to make the most of it and own it. And I owned it. Like I was awesome at it. And those admin skills worked well for me throughout my career. Um, I think everybody should work med regs. Oh yeah. 100%. Or, yeah. Med records. It, because it just, it, even if it's just for a month or two, mm-hmm. once you realize what goes in to maintaining records, verifying records, mm-hmm. giving records out to retirees mm-hmm. and other people, all the legalities, the checks, and this was organizational the skills, because you're kind of like on your own mm-hmm. in medical records, as far as what I've seen. And it depends on how big the population is. Mm-hmm. For me, it was like 10 cabinets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it was an air base, so it, it wasn't that many people, because mm-hmm. the, avi- the actual operational aviation commands went to the aviation side of medicine, so they had their own records. I'm just dealing, we were just dealing with the blue side guys on that base. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that many. But you were like, all right, you have, you know, social number, mm-hmm. you know, here to here. Yeah. Have fun. Right. You need to check all the records and verify them. Mm-hmm. And it's a continuous process. You yeah. think it's like, oh, it's a task. No, it's no. a continuous thing. And you, you quickly find out that it never ends. No, right? it never does. The, the chits think, that come in, it ne- you're never going to get through all the chits. Never. And if you never if you don't find that out quickly and if that's not the way you operate, then you're probably not going to do well there. But I think it's a good humbling experience. It is. And it's it's good for juniors. It humbles you quick. I went to MedRex right after laboratory. Mm -hmm. So I'm a a corpsman one year deep in my first command of two-year orders and I haven't even done patient care. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's wild, right? (laughs) But that's also when I got in trouble. Mm -hmm. And then I got put in patient care and I found out which was funny because the for the for the reason that I got in trouble was medical stuff. We'll say that, mm-hmm. and then they put me in patient care. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's backwards, <laughs> right? That's I think that's backwards from what punishment doesn't fit the crime. Punishment doesn't fit the crime, but it didn't matter what they were going to do. Personally, I knew I flipped a switch mm-hmm. and I ch- I changed. Yeah. Okay, so you were medical records, and then what? Um, you stay there your whole. Two no, years, three no years, I was just there was. for the first half of the time there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, you know, like I said, I made the most of it, but everyone else around me was incredibly negative. And uh, leadership was new at being a leader and no guidance on how to be a leader. And therefore, it became a dictatorship quick, where all of a sudden um, I felt like I was everyone was out to get me. And I literally felt... Uh, I, all the chiefs were out to get me because I didn't have a strong LPO to help me with situations because with medical records guys, you know, they're always the ones who tend to get in trouble. I hate to say it like that, but it's like, that's where everyone kind of goes. When you're in trouble, you go to medical records. For for that command, I would say it, it depends. On it depends. My command was you go to Lennon mm-hmm. and you just, okay. So there's, but what you're saying, there is a place where, they kind of don't want to see you anymore, so they, they don't want to put you, you in records. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to be talking to somebody about that mm-hmm. particular experience where you have somebody that doesn't fit in. Mm-hmm. What do you do with them? 
but um yeah and so, so but you were you there because you got in trouble or were you there because they needed somebody there so i was there because i got injured um but it was i was only going to be light duty for like a month and some change but could for you, some could you work patient care um, yeah, I could, I mean, I felt like I could, if anything, you could just put me in the front desk for a month while I learned the job and then there you go. So I was, we, my sponsor and I were both really confused when we thought I was going to be working patient care with him and all of a sudden they threw me in record. So it was like, why? And they're like, cause you're not going to be able to like be mobile. But, um, I broke my foot. Oh, so like, it was, but they, yeah. they take you out of a. They take you out of patient care because you broke your foot? Yeah. There's something more to the story. Yeah. That, that was, I'm not saying you know. I'm yeah. just saying there's a they there's I, something that they didn't tell you probably. Probably. I think it might have been one of those things that they probably needed a corpsman anyway in records. And when the new guy shows up in a cast, they're like... He, uh, they, they, just, they put a red flag on you mm -hmm. and they judge you by your mm -hmm. cover. Pretty much. Um, even happens. though my sponsor was like no, he seems like a solid guy and he's already hit it off with me and my guys. Like, what's going on here? Um, so the guy that sponsored you was going to be your LPO mm -hmm. and you were going to be working where? In, um, like, family med, like that kind of area. And so that guy kind of took you under his wing. Initially, but once you're not his guy, then that was kind of it. So then I got put to records and had a different kind of leadership where obviously did you, did you lose faith in leadership at that point when this guy was like hey you're going to be working with me and then you get snatched and no because no i kind of figured i was like you know hey no hard feelings because i could tell he was upset and i was like yeah i get it but you know once again you're brand new in the navy and you just follow orders like blindly kind of a number at that point yeah so i'm like oh okay you know there was no arguing so i was like all right yeah um so like i made the best of it and um but because that was kind of where like people were like you were looked at negatively yeah already exactly and yeah. um it seemed like there was always a problem with someone in the department mm -hmm. and it was never me but because i was there i was guilty by association yeah and um and then when i finally did mess up that's when they're like ah we knew it we knew you were dirtbag and uh -huh. i was like okay <laughs> the thing how i messed up was um my son who is on the spectrum was he could not go to sleep like to save his life mm -hmm. and he would scream we didn't know he was yeah. on the spectrum i was driving him around on base 11 o'clock on a saturday night and i wasn't drinking at this point like i'm done you know yeah. completely like i have completely turned a new leaf and i'm a new guy and everything i'm you know joe sailor yeah I just want to work hard, do hard, provide for my family and have a great life. I'm driving on base with this little kid in the back who I finally get him to go to sleep. And I'm like creeping through the neighborhoods, right? Because yeah. I don't want to shake the car because he's going to wake up. And, and I'm so tired. And I do a rolling stop. And an MASN was hiding around the corner, saw me and gave me a ticket for a rolling stop. And that's it? That's all you got in trouble for? Yeah. Well, that, that's not in trouble. That, exactly. So because that happened, 
they're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, we finally got you. You know, you're really? you're over here like driving crazy on base. And I explained to them, look, my son was in the back seat. I was trying to get him to go to sleep, and I did do a rolling stop. And I'm sorry, but everybody I, gets tickets. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was kind of like the the big strike against me mm-hmm. with that. Um, and I was like, all right then. Um, the there was also um and then i did my first prt after a broken foot and didn't do so well in that run yeah and i did the bad day makeup and i passed so it was literally just you have to overcome that pain and wow you just need to get in shape you, could, you couldn't get limb do for that no it was something well and that's the thing and when you're junior you don't know and you don't have the leadership to kind of like vouch for Sorry, you not Lindu. i meant like uh, or you. A, a, a med waiver yeah but they're usually you have to get them well in advance right wait too long they're not going to give it to you they're going to say you're just trying to get out of PT, exactly that, all that yeah yeah med waivers you look bad mm-hmm. for no good reason like you're literally trying to prevent more injury yeah. i had to do, i had to do a med waiver once it was after i i, I separated my ac joint mm-hmm and uh, I wanted to do the PRT so I would I wouldn't get my orders kinked because mm-hmm. I was like I'm not doing limb do don't put me on limb do yeah. doc was like I can do limb do I'm like I don't know yeah let me let me try to do the PRT and I got to the PRT I can't even do I can barely do a push up man mm-hmm. like an AC joint is a grade three my clavicle looks deformed mm. like I was severely injured so it took six months for me to even get back to hundred percent yeah. And I lost my orders. Mm. And then you're you're taking a PRT, your med waiver. People look at you funny. Yeah, exactly. The whole thing can get messy. And I think they were just like, ah, you'll be fine. Just do it. And uh, I did it. And I passed the bad day makeup. So my record's clear as far as the Navy knows. But it was, I was like, but they they knew. They knew. And they're like, okay, this guy is just like trash. Mm Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, I'm the only one actually working in records and, do, and keeping up with everything. Um, all the civilians around me love me and, you know, like I'm not causing true problems unlike other people. So it from was just, being an LPO, it's easy to it's easy to judge someone mm-hmm. the wrong way. And there's this I can't, I can't remember what it's called, but this there's a phenomenon where when you learn something the first time, it sticks. Mm-hmm. So if I judge you the first time and I say, that guy's a dirtbag, yeah. and I don't even know anything about you, mm-hmm. I'm always going to have that negative, yeah. so they negative see me. positive, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like someone pinned you as a dirtbag. Yeah, exactly. And you got to see, like, from them, this command I was at was, like, it seemed like I was part of a new generation of sailors coming up who didn't go through things. And these guys in leadership came back from doing things combat. as far as combat deployments. And I was on the tail l- end of that. Yeah. And I could see that there... There there was a lot of like animosity towards juniors anyway. And I'm not saying this is like, this is how the Navy is. But I'm saying at that moment in time, at that particular location... Because it can be different everywhere. Yeah. There just seemed to be a gap whereas like you were either the combat deployed guy who just came back one of the boys or mm. you're a brand new guy who doesn't know anything and i was the guy who didn't know anything and there he was, was treated okay so that's where the yeah they, they judged you yeah and um there i mean there were some dudes who came back who'd seen stuff there was incidences like 
where, you know, file cabinets go flying kind of thing. Not with me personally, but the stories that go through the command of, oh, petty officer so-and-so flipped out on a guy because he was late and he threw a desk, you know, like. No, that, that was, was like every day. That, yeah, that was kind of like the deal, like, you know, where you hear about those kind of things. I never saw anything, but I'm just saying like that was the no, I, rumor I, mill. I definitely saw that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because I was at my first command at 20, and it was, this went all the way into like 14, 15. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. still like, cause there was still some combat stuff, you know, after 2010, right. Mm-hmm. There's some, still some, you know, active deployments mm-hmm. and the people I worked with, uh, you know, the seconds, so like the thirds. Yeah. There really wasn't an issue with like the first classes and stuff, but those like thirds, thirds classes and second classes, cause they're yeah. the ones that actually, they came, yeah, they were fresh coming back and. And you could see it, like right. pent up energy is the way, the mm-hmm. best way I could describe it. And when they had a chance to let, release it, mm-hmm. and you're that guy, that junior sailor who messed I'm, up. Well, I'm talk- and I'm even talking about in a professional setting. Like, I, I, my my first go of teacher C was wild mm-hmm. because they let it, mm-hmm. and not. And, but nowadays, people are leading teacher C who may or may not have combat experience. Yeah it's a lot more watered down exactly. right yeah because you have people who are teaching off of academic knowledge versus experience right there's still I'm, I'm not there's still plenty of combat vets mm-hmm. but T4C in you know 2010 after and then T4C now in 2020s mm-hmm. two different things yeah it definitely is it's I'll, I'll scared to go to work yeah. every day but the, the difference between my experience and yours was we actually, the cohesion between the whole group mm-hmm. was the highest I've ever seen. Yeah. We all hung out, you know, after work, mm-hmm. uh, during work, PT together. It, it was a legit group. Mm-hmm. Almost as it, it was almost the closest thing to being an operational group. When I say operational, I mean like a sea duty type, like someone who you are stuck with. Mm-hmm. It, was the, it was the closest thing to that while being on short duty. Yeah. Like it was a, it was like, Hey, you're one of us mm-hmm. and anybody outside our circle, we don't care about. Right. And then yes, they, they kept me on my toes, mm-hmm. but they also took care of you. They never burned you anything like that. And I, I just feel, I feel like I, I was very great. I'm very grateful for the, the leaders I had, even if they did make me kind of scared to come to work. Yeah. Uh, I'm very grateful for their, the experience they gave me, I guess. Yeah. It, um, it was just the kind of, it was just, I think the personality of the command at that moment in time. And my, my command was not toxic. Mm -hmm. It was very, very, uh, positive. Yeah. Yeah. You have gripes and complaints, but I never, when I, when I have gripes and complaints nowadays, it's more about the processes of the command and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. There, there, there was nothing that, like there was none of that. Yeah. Like everybody had a job. Everybody did their did the role. There's like a little drama here and there that gets squashed at very low, mm-hmm. but nothing big. Yeah. It's funny you say you you got in trouble, but that's not like people get tickets every day. Yeah. I remember when I when I got in trouble. If you see someone in dress whites or blues, yeah, outside of uh, inspection season, everybody in the clinic knows what you're doing. Yeah. 
And there's like this black, I was, I was labeled as the black sheep, right. basically, because I went to DRB, Mass, all this stuff. Luckily, it was early on in my career that I was able to bounce back from it. But I remember having to walk through the halls mm. and people were like, give me that little pat on the back. Like, hey, man, it's going to be all right. Yeah. Like when I came back from CO's mask mm-hmm. and like I, I got, you know, I had my punishment, you know, explained to me and all this stuff. And they're like, hey, man, it's going to be fine. You, you'll get on the other side of this and stuff. Mm. I'm like, yo, you just went to mass six months ago for stealing something from the NEX. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you have any... I don't think you have any uh, right to say anything to, to me right now. Right. Because what I went to mass for was completely different. I'm sure I'll explain it sometime on here, but I don't feel comfortable doing that right now. Just because there are, surprisingly enough, there is very small Navy because my chief currently was at the same command I was when that happened. Mm. So like people know yeah. gotcha. that incident there, but it wasn't anything crazy. I don't know if anyone knows mine, but you know it was like so low key and there was so much craziness going on and especially during spice during that whole fiasco in the navy and well that's what i was talking to my chief about the other day like my one of my roommates got busted by ncis for selling drugs on base yeah i'm like dude like it was it wasn't her sailor but it was it was a sailor in her directorate mm-hmm. and he was my roommate and i was trying to tell my command like hey this guy there's something wrong mm-hmm. he's coming back He's coming coming back to the room on a weekday at two in the morning. Yeah, like that. Something. Something. And he ain't been home all day. Like he's going somewhere and coming mm-hmm. back. And it, what? From what I've been told, he was like trafficking drugs back and forth, <laughs> like uh, between locations and stuff. Get out. <laughs> yeah, he that kid was. He obviously ain't in the navy now. Yeah. It, it was pretty bad. It. And you, you say you got in trouble for a speeding ticket or you rolled a stop sign. I do I got stopped twice in the same day by the MPs mm. or MAs, sorry. I get yeah. PMO, MP, whatever. The MAs stopped me twice. The same dude stopped me twice yeah. in the same base. <laughs> so I rolled a stop sign yeah. coming on the base, getting to work. Yeah. And he pulled me over, took my ID cards, like, go let your LPO know because I'm going to let him know that you... Because it was a small hospital, so, like, everyone knows that guy. Yeah. And that guy knows everybody. Yeah. Like, we're talking about, like, two, three hundred people, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll take my lick. Like, I don't care. Like, there's no, there's no, I didn't give me a ticket. He just said, hey, I'll let your LPO know. It's one of those things. Mm-hmm. It's not like, well, here, if you get a ticket on base, like, that's traffic points. There's yeah. a fine whatever or whatever it is. Right. And then when I'm leaving work, I'm driving uh, I had a stop at a stop sign. I mm-hmm. saw him. No, I didn't even see him. I stop at the stop sign. A car passes me. It was a three-way. It was a. It was a T. A, a, a T-shaped stop sign. Right. So I'm stop. Car passes me. So I obviously had to stop. Right. Because I got there before the car passed. So I know, like, I was stopped for like five, ten seconds. Yeah. And I pull up behind the car, and then I see him. And then he pulls out two cars behind me, and I get to the gate, and he's radio to the gate to pull me over so wow, i get to the wow. gate and the guy comes over he's like hey pull over there and yeah. i pull over uh-huh. the guy gets out of the car and he's like hold up didn't i stop you this morning i'm like no 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 mm. you're not gonna come at me and act like you didn't know you pulled me over twice and i'm like i can tell you right now for a fact i did not stop or did not run a stop sign he's like are you telling me my partner is lying i'm like i'm telling you i didn't stop i didn't run that stop sign and he got all up in him. He got mad because 
he obviously made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Maybe he thought they, they thought they saw me run the stop sign because there was a sign in between us. Mm-hmm. So like he didn't have direct line of sight of me. Yeah. So what? I, I don't even care. But like, and I, t- as I told him, I said, "Hey, you think you you pulled me over this morning? You think I? You think there's any way that I would run another stop sign in the same day mm-hmm. after you pulled me over once? Like, yeah, like, that, that's common not. sense. I would at least like." give it a few you know right. uh, uh, I'd give it a few uh, where I like it's fresh on my mind I'm not gonna do it again right mm-hmm. everybody you know rolls a stop sign every now and then right but man that, that was that was frustrating yeah it's crazy like we get can get into so many situations in the military where it's just like for civilians that's not a big deal. It's like whatever your life goes on or you can like laugh about it at work. But for us, it's like, nah, like we're going to like throw you under that bus. You know, it could, it, depending on who it is, like people can really like take it somewhere or they can try and just make it's it scary. miserable. Yeah. It's, it's scary. Like everything you do off duty mm-hmm. still can come back to bite you. Mm-hmm. I, I There's been so many situations that I've, witnessed or somewhat been a a part of as they were the sailors that were in my clinic or whatever like i'm like people do some weird stuff off base they sure or are off duty and it always comes back to bite them whereas if you're a civilian no one cares if you get a ticket yeah as long as you don't have a warrant and even if you have a warrant it still doesn't like the your business is not going to care like they're just gonna be like all right we probably didn't want you anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you did you work in med Rex the whole time? No. Um, after, at the halfway point um, of your time there, they would uh, rotate you out. And by that point, um, I I mean, I, other than like your, your first month or your first couple months, where it's like those couple instances that they're like, oh yeah, this guy's a dirtbag. Yeah. It, after that, honestly, my whole time there was like fine. Mm-hmm. Like I never got into trouble or anything, and I always did my work well. But other people would like shine in the command, and I never did, even though I was outworking them. And it's because you're kind of like pushed to the side, and that was frustrating. But I never, I never let it get to me. Um, though I did, you know, for a little bit at times. But it never got to the point where you're just coming into work miserable. It was just something to complain to the wife about. Um, yeah. And I just was like, you know, I'm just grateful for this. Like, I know this this is not exactly what I thought it would be, but I'm just grateful because we got a house. My kids have health care. Um, you know, my wife is taken care of. Like, I've got a solid job. And, you know, hey, it's, it's what it is, you know. But I definitely was vocal about, like, when my time comes up, can I do some patient care? Because I really want to start helping people. And um, they finally are like, okay, you can go, you know, to the to the wards, you know, on for your last half of the tour. Okay. And when I got there, whole different leadership. It was amazing. Strong, good leaders who looked out for their people, yeah. who had common sense, who saw they would see your strengths and glorify that and be like, hey, you're doing great with that. That's amazing. You should lead this. You should do this. 
hey, there's this great opportunity, you should go do this. And all of a sudden people building you up and that's like what leadership should be. And that's what I didn't experience up until that point. So it was it was like drinking water in the desert after like weeks of like, just like laying out there in yeah. the sand. It was so refreshing. Like I desperately needed that. And because honestly, at that point, um, if I did not have that, I probably would not have re-enlisted or at least I wouldn't have contemplated it. I would have been like, all right, Lord, like, thank you for this opportunity to get my life straight and get off the crazy alcohol and everything like that. Um, I'm grateful, Lord, but I guess this wasn't it. So what's next then? But because I had this opportunity, it's like, now you know what, now you know what bad leadership is and now you know what good leadership is. So all of this is experiences to help grow you. Mm -hmm. And it definitely was like, all right, now I know. So going into my next duty station, I was ready. I was like, yes, the Navy is it. I love this. This is great. But I still didn't have any like proper direction because I'm like, yeah, I can keep doing this. But like, what's like, what is my niche? Like, what is my thing? You know, mm -hmm. because being general duty corpsman, you get to do everything, which is great when you're trying to figure it out. I definitely take advantage of that. But it's also kind of like I had that big question and my wife had that big question of like, what are you going to get out of this though? Like, you know, what is your real purpose within all of this? Because it's a big and vast world. So that's where I found out in my next duty station. Um, because I got put at a clinic, Greenside, and... Um, once again, hey, you're going to do PHAs, you're going to do sick call, you're going to do M's, you're going to do records, you're going to do it all. I even worked lab for a little bit, like, you know, it's but like... That sounds more like a proper corpsman. Yeah, it was like, oh, this is what... It's almost like everything got backwards in my career. Um, but I was like, all right, so I'm in a green side, I'm doing all this stuff at a BAS, and um, it was, once again, it was like not the the command what people was probably a little bit more um people made it worse than what it really was but once again i think that might have been a generational thing where again all of a sudden the people who had a good time in that command were the older senior enlisted kind of guys who were like this is a good unit and the younger generation who is their first command, they're like, this is trash, which is like, once again, the junior corpsman is like, this is your first command and you're a BAS. You should be like loving your life. This is now your generational attitude. Me coming in kind of middle ground where it's like, all right, this is my second command and I've kind of like seen extremes. So I knew it was like, all right, this isn't bad. Like good days and bad days. Like it's, yeah. it's what it is. Um, but I was still frustrated because I'm like, I don't know what I want to do because I kind of realized like, I can't be bouncing around forever. Like this doesn't really do it for me. Um, and, uh, my wife was like, you need to like get specialized in something. Cause she knew, you know, hearing from my friends like, oh man, I'm, you know, a lab tech or I'm a pharmacy tech or whatever. Yeah. And she's like, why don't you do something like that? And I was like, yeah, but nothing really interests me. Like. I just like taking care of people. Like I'm good with that. She's like, yeah, but that's not really like enough. Like, you mm -hmm. know, she was really pushing me and I'm very grateful for her, um, to coach me like that. And, um, it wasn't until I had a chief who was about to retire and he was, uh, 84, four. 
you know, combat deployed, seen and done it all, you know, that kind of old salty guy. And he kind of took me under his wing one day because I was uh, in charge of like getting like some, um, I was in charge of like a project. They put me in charge of like, basically the records corpsman, um, the guys actually stationed there, blew it. And we had a CGIP coming up. They didn't verify nothing. <laughs> so they're like, all? all right, nothing. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like, okay, well, hey, uh, you've worked records before. I'm like, yeah, fix it. I'm I like, got oh. something for you. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So anyway, helping him because obviously his record was going to need to come up for his retirement and stuff. Yeah. He saw all the work I was doing. He was like, you know, you're a hard worker. And I see that. But you're working too hard and you're not working very smart. I am about to retire and I got nothing to show for my name. And I can do any medical in the world, but without anything behind me, like, what am I doing? I'm just going to be a GS, maybe, working admin. He's like, you need to get specialty. Yeah. Um, so I, I really took that to heart and thought about that and prayed on it. And the, the day came when I finally lost it with um, being frustrated with this records project um where i was working hard i was trying to motivate people like hey all right you know i made a a list for mers on excel where i'm like distributing the work i was like all right i'm going to give like five records to each person in the clinic tech non-tech i don't care each of you has five records to verify a day in between doing patient care and stuff i know it's a lot but five, if you just do five, five I, I, I did the math and I was like, if y'all do this, we will get this done in, in a couple months, just in time for the CGI. Okay? Yeah. And only a couple people did it because people just kept putting off because no one wants to do records and they don't understand. Or listen, to or, what was your rank at that time? Oh, I was a third class. And is everyone and there's, there's second, to a third class? there's sec- a bunch of second classes. So they're like, yeah. No, no, and, and I'm a tech, so like, no, I'm not gonna listen to you. I have like actual patient care to do. The records guys can do the records, yeah. And I'm like, I get it, but they weren't. And then I was assigned by the LPOs and chiefs to to do this because like they assigned me they, to be they, the project manager. But they'll never take you seriously. No, never. So I was frustrated, and they would even if I got something like some sort of product from them, it would be lazy. And when the HM1 chief just spot checked what I brought to them. They're like, you know, this isn't good. I'm like, I know what I'm trying. And they're like, well, you need to do better. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And they're like, you need to figure it out because, you know, you're in charge of this. And I'm like, I was really frustrated. And um, one of my good friends at the clinic was uh, the x-ray tech. And he had a couch in his office and that's where people would hang out and stuff. And I just sat there and I was like, Hey man, I'm just, I'm so frustrated. He's like, do you want to just like watch me work? Just chill out. I was like, yeah. And, um, I watched him shoot x-rays and I was like, is this seriously what you do? And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, what do I need to do to do this? And he was like, dude, just put in a package, submit it to the, you know, big Navy. And I'm like, but what are the prereqs? Like, what do I need to do? And he's like, well, do you have like college algebra? Because at the time when I knew it was college algebra, I was like, yeah, yeah I've got a college degree. He's like, well, there you go. And I was like, and I was like, well, tell me more about it. 
He was like, you know, you can make this amount of money outside the Navy with it. And I was like, get out. He's like, yeah. And uh, I was like, all right, I'm in. And that day I whipped up all the paperwork for the package and brought it to the career counselor like that day. And my wife was like, you're going to do what? Like, Mm -hmm. and I was like, I get it. But like, let me just sell you with the money. But at the same time, I realized like, this is my niche. Like, this is what I want to do in the medical field. I finally figured it out. And, you know, God took me through quite a journey to get there. But that was a a necessary journey in order to really appreciate what I discovered. Because if it was given to me right off the bat, I would not appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean the med med recs is the slums mm, to work. Yeah, yeah. And, and almost anything looks pretty grateful. Yeah, compared to med recs or whatever job is where you're not doing true corpsman stuff. Yeah, unless you're a tech. Right? Exactly. You're going to do their tech stuff. So I I assume you got selected for that, and then you went to rad school. Mm-hmm. Sorry, advanced X-ray. Yeah. as they call it now. Yeah, and. Oh man, I studied my butt off in school, and it, and it was you know thirteen grueling months of like a fire hose to the face with information because the civilian school is two years, so they have to condense a lot. But yeah, growing up, I always knew X ray was like if you want to be an X ray tech, you you go to you go get a what associate's degree pretty mm-hmm. much, yeah, a two year college degree, and mm-hmm. then you're an X ray tech. And in the Navy, we like to just shove information in your face yep. as fast as possible. Exactly. Time is money. So. Yeah. And well, speaking of it, um, you know, I'm grateful to the Lord because if I didn't have my degree, I wouldn't get my registry. So the deal with the Navy is you, the x-ray school in the Navy constitutes as your x-ray education. And if you have at least an associates in basket weaving or whatever, whatever, yeah, you can challenge the board, get your national certification, and then you can moonlight in the Navy, make money, do all that great stuff. I had a chief once. He was a respiratory tech, but he moonlighted. Because mm-hmm. my wife was like, hey, uh, I think I saw your chief at my hospital the other night. Mm-hmm. I was like... I described him. She's like, yeah, that was him. That's the like, guy. What the crap? <laughs> this guy works, he moonlights and he's a chief too. Yeah. That's pretty cool because what's really cool is when you see E7s and above still doing tech things mm-hmm. or their actual job you know, or whether the rate is. A lot of times first set or first classes, chiefs, whatever, they get pulled out of doing their actual job yeah. as a corpsman. And I hate to see that. Okay. But it's really cool to see when a chief can actually still do you know, patient care. Exactly. And it's one of those things like with x-ray, like generally speaking, if you chose x-ray, you love x-ray and you're going to love doing x-rays. Cause I've met, I've run into chiefs where, you know, the, 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 you know, the salty chief and stuff, but, Oh, you're an x-ray tech. Hey chief, tell me about x-ray. And they, their face lights up and they're like, Oh yeah. Like I love x-ray. What do you want to know? You know, like that definitely kind of the, the x-ray tech chiefs, mm-hmm. like they, They've they've done their time, yeah. And now they're doing chief things, but but their passion is still X-ray because you know. I think I think people are sleeping on X-ray. Mm. It's really like I only know one person doesn't like it, and that's just because they don't like it. It's not because the job's bad. I think they just made a poor choice in their career. Yeah. But man, every time every time I've brought a patient to X-ray, I'm like, Dad, 
I wish I was in your seat and not my seat. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really good gig. And, you know, I know that I brought up the money. You're helping piece. people still. And yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Like, even though it's profitable outside the Navy, it's like I love taking care of patients where it's like I have like such an important role in the scope of their care. Because mm-hmm. obviously doctors need to see what's going on inside of them sometimes to figure things out. And it's like wow without me like they would be it would literally be like a shot in the dark they would not know so it's like i get to play a very vital role in that and it's a specialty i hope people understand that too like every aspect of the medical field is very important Mm -hmm. even medical records Mm -hmm. as much as i don't want to say that (laughs) no i mean and, you know, and definitely like a takeaway from my story is like, you know, sometimes you're going to have to endure hardships. You're going to have to endure nonsense in your life in order for you to appreciate, you know, when you finally do, you know, mm-hmm. make it somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. When I when I got in trouble and I was plucking grass, <laughs> uh, literally, I'm not making this like up. Like tweezers. <laughs> um, no, I was like with my hands plucking mm-hmm. grass out of the ground mm-hmm. because they didn't have anything else to, for us to do. Mm hmm. You kind of appreciate just going to work and going home. Yeah, exactly. Instead of going to work, then going doing your two hours of extra duty because you made a bad a, a bad decision, you made a mistake, mm-hmm. and you got caught up in some stuff that you shouldn't have got caught up into. But yeah, yeah. So what what was your first duty station after X ray school? Um, I went to a hospital, and uh, you know, like. Right off the bat, well, I, I I studied so hard in X-ray school because I knew whatever academic information I'm learning here, I need to keep it because um, I need to challenge the board for my national cert. Well, there's a tangible skill you you have for your job. For me, yeah. core school is just a foundation, mm-hmm. and I have no specialty. Yeah, I studied my butt off in core school because when I when I'm put into a student status. I, I don't know how to turn it off. Right. I, mean, I just I'm gonna try to do as good as possible because that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm it the has same no, way. And, and it's good when I see competition too, and like students against students. Like I'm gonna try to get a better grade than you because it just makes us do better overall. Yeah. And that was the thing with X-ray school. The competition was get the top of the class. You get choices of duty stations. You know, and um, or at least your phase two site. And um, yeah. So me and the other. Navy students, because we're students with the Army and the Air Force, too. Um, but the Navy, we all competed to get top dog. And I, I got uh, top of the class, you know, first choice of orders and stuff. Wow, so, cool. Yeah. Um, but because I was so academically, like, sharp and ready, I knew as soon as I got to my first duty station, I needed to, like, right away tell leadership, hey, uh, I'm ready to take the tests to get my cert. And they were like, whoa, really? Like, you are and i'm like yeah i've got my degree and i'm like fresh out of school so now is the time did you do well at that command um yeah it, it was uh it, it the the time there i spent well um because as soon as i got on board i got my national registry i'm saying like walking in the door and saying i want to get my cert it's gonna do nothing but positive for you yeah they're like you came in the door like ready to go like with that big thing because a lot of x-ray techs it's like H3 it's a, so hit the ground running yeah it's like that, well that whole eval bullet yeah they uh you know a lot of techs sleep on the job because they're like well whatever like x-rays you know 
whatever, but it's like, you know, you need to go ahead and get your degree, get your cert like out the way, you know, and like, cause it's, it's a small window. Um, so I knew like, cause they basically leadership was like, man, we're like slaving away trying to get these guys motivated to get their degrees, to study for the registry, mm-hmm. to do all these things. But me, I came in the door ready for the goal that they were working so hard for these other guys to yeah. do. So they're like, wow, okay, here you go. Sign off to go take the test, take the test, I nail it, get my registry. They're like, great, I'm gonna send you to CT, you're gonna learn this. I work in CT for a bit. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I got my registry for that. Like, I was, like, hitting the ground. Dude, you running. can get out. Yeah, like, they, it was, like, awesome. And um, then the with the way the Navy's reformatting itself, I got pulled from that command early to come to this command. So the timing was really good. We're just in time. I was able to get two registries and then come to another command. With and the, that's this command? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is your first greenside too, right? Mm, second. Second, sorry. Mm-hmm. So greenside, then a hospital is a rad tech, mm-hmm. and then you're now at another greenside. Other. First greenside is a rad tech. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so your role in our echelon of care is very vital, mm-hmm. right? Because we're like a mobile, whatever. Uh, I'm not going to get in the weeds about that, but yeah. how's your experience been here on a greenside as a tech? Um, I haven't had like the most like field worthy experience because of the nature of everything right now, but I've still gotten, my skills are consistently sharp because of, because the way we do it, because the way you guys, we do it here. It's like, yeah, we're your clinical sustainment is what they call it. Yes. Thank you. That's the right word. So the clinical sustainment has been legit. I've been able to keep my skills sharp and, um, if, I think that's the right way to do it where yeah. we're at because you're dealing with real patients and you're doing your actual job. Whereas mm-hmm. like as quad zeros, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. There's, we do clinical sustainment, you know, a few months every so often, mm-hmm. maybe every, you know, I'm, well, I'm not going to say how, but because the field stuff comes with a couple reps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus you as a rad tech, are you really that involved with the rest of the echelon, you know? Yeah. No. It's, you need to be able to roll that x-ray machine out, mm-hmm. take the x-rays and get it out of the way, right? Pretty much. And you need to know how to do the actual patient care aspect of that and then just understand how to take your hospital equipment, use the field equipment, and then be able to adapt that way. Pretty much. But even in the trauma center, you are you have a mobile x-ray machine, so it's not much It's not much it, different it's the same than concept. a field. Exactly. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, and there's... I like what we're doing with this because there's so many tricks. Like there's more than one way to skin a cat when it comes to x-ray. There's the textbook way and then the way where it's like, okay, this patient cannot move how I need them to move. Or the kids. Yeah. It's like, how am I going to adjust myself for them? Mm -hmm. And there's little tricks I've learned along the way. So this way, this, those tricks are still sharp in my mind. Cool. Cool. And then, I don't want to cut us to, but we've been going for quite a while. But so you've done your green side. I would say it's pretty successful. Mm-hmm. You came here as a second, right? Mm-hmm. Or did you pick up second here? Mm-hmm. I came in. There. So you came here as a second. Obviously, you didn't. There's not much leadership opportunity for our, our E5s. But what are you doing now? Because I think that's the most interesting part of your career. Like right now? Like what are you trying to do? 
Oh, um, going into chaplaincy. So uh, filled the aspiration to go into chaplaincy. Felt that last year, um, and I was actually about to reenlist. The timing was kind of like I. It was a lot of different feelings and a lot of prayers going into it, and I was like, "Well, I'm staying Navy. Let me just reenlist and figure this out." And I didn't know what to do. And I had talked to my chaplain for guidance, talked to my pastor for guidance, and um, it was really the best call to do that because you need a master's in divinity right off the bat for chaplaincy in the military. Yeah. And it, it's a long process to be a chaplain, but you can't even start unless you have that degree. But I was like, okay, well, I'm realisting. Like, I'm definitely like uh, throwing that opportunity out the way unless I just, I don't know what. And around the time when this was going on, I was doing research into different seminaries to look at like online degrees and stuff like that. Like, what can I do? And um, the the school I'm going to, um, well, it, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, they had a military grant and it wasn't advertised. Like, you know, I mean, I had to deep Google search it because yeah. I was like looking for like Free scholarships yeah. and TA and all sorts of stuff. And I was like, hold on a second. Like, I don't pay for school. Like the money is already there for the taking. All I have to do is pay for books. And literally all I have to do is just submit my LES, the, like the current LES to show I'm still in and uh, command um, your commander's like signed letter saying, yeah, he's in good standing, not calling a captain's mass, he's good to go. Mm -hmm. And I do that every term and I get to go to school for free. So you're going to school while active mm -hmm. and you're, I know you're about to PCS like within a, what, a couple weeks, mm -hmm. right? And well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I caught you before you left. Yeah. Because uh, your story is pretty interesting. Um, so your plan is just to keep doing that until you have your master's and then mm -hmm. apply it, for chaplaincy yeah. in the Navy? It Yes. And that's going to be kind of a, it's going to be interesting because there's a lot like with your ecclesiastical endorsers and what they want to see. So I don't know what that's going to look like. But in the meantime, I just want to finish my degree while I'm in to use that military grant, have leadership opportunities at my next command to um, you know, continue to grow as a leader, you know, in order to help people, because really like I was kind of alluding to in the beginning, that's really what the Navy is all about is we help each other and help our juniors. And then ultimately before I get out, if I can become a chaplain to give back to the Navy in that sense, to be that, you know, spiritual guidance for people who need it because we really need it. And, you know, that in that role would be really special if that works out if that's god's will that's amazing and i would you know embrace it wholeheartedly but if it's not because like i said chaplain is it's really complicated to do it and it's it, in the in the military in the military if you're if you're already like have everything then the navy desperately needs chaplains like just to be a recruiter for a moment like the navy desperately needs chaplains but um to do it while active duty is really really hard and because most of the time people become a chaplain after already being a, a pastor or mm -hmm. whatever whatever yeah, other they, religion they were it is. like civilians civilians coming in. coming in it's like to have you're enlisted unique. yeah so i've never heard of anybody doing it mm -mm, no. not even rps yeah exactly there's no rp to chaplain program you know like there's no meet it'd be kind of cool if you had like a chiwo or uh, sorry a cwo chaplain 
That, yeah, I mean, that'd be cool. Um, you think it would, but, well, because to be an actual chaplain, pastor, priest, there's like very structured gatekeeping type of, uh, we're going to make sure that like you're legit because they not don't gatekeeping. It's probably wrong. But like, if I want to be a pastor in the U S I have to go get ordained mm-hmm. and like, it's a very formal process. Yes. So like, obviously that, but it's no different than me being a corpsman and going to a formal process of nursing school to become a nurse. Right. It's just it's for a few little different steps though. Mm-hmm. And they, the ecclesiastical endorsers want to see like two years of full-time pastor. Um, and you're pastoring right now, right? I'm not, but I've started preaching. Um, just occasionally. Sorry, that's what I meant. But you've yeah. already started doing the practicing of preaching. Yeah. So that's kind of helping me like get my feet wet, but, um, my endorser wants to see like full time. So that's where it's like, I'm, uh, I'm going to come to a point at the end of this enlistment where it's like, I feel like it's going to be one of those things like, all right, what do I do? You know? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of options, but I just don't know yet. And I just want to make sure that I made the right choice. And that's going to require a lot of prayer and a lot of time of talking to people to see what if what you I get out do. and do the full time and then come back in or kind of keep plucking away yeah and there's different like different ways to do this but i just don't know the right way for me because i'm so unique and you don't know until you have to cross that line really it's, it's, it's funny it's how a like, leap of faith to jump out of the navy you know when you i want safe. to but i'm scared to yeah. get out yeah, and that's something we all fear because you realize like you are safe, like with Tricare and a steady like you know first and the fifteenth paycheck. I mean, I love being in the military, mm-hmm. but I also would love to be doing a job I actually want to do because mm-hmm. Corman is not like a passion of mine. Mm-hmm. I do love the Corman rating, mm-hmm. but it's not like something I would go pick to be. Like I don't like when I get out, I'm not doing medical. Yeah, and a lot of people do that. A lot of people do their job and then they get out and go do something completely different because they want, they have a passion in somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they're, I feel like whenever I get out, I'll probably go into something I actually truly want to get into. Yeah. Uh, and but I'm scared the, because it, the, all the benefits you get for being in yeah. is too good for me to let go. Right. And I do like being in the military. Exactly. Could I have a better, a different rate? Yeah. I probably would do better in different ratings. But that's just that's just me, and everybody's gonna be different. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool. I the what I find unique about being chaplain in the military is kind of the you may be Catholic, but you may have someone of a different religion come seek your guidance, mm-hmm. and you have to play different roles. And the confidentiality is huge because it's like 100% confidentiality. I can't We're tell not, anybody about anything at any time, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Like, And that's like, that is like the key thing where it's like, it's a whole different It's a huge thing. selling point to get if, if someone's not your religion mm-hmm. or not your denomination, it's still a good selling point to a person when they're in need. A stranger like, comes into your office and says, I just killed somebody. Um, confessing, I don't know what to do. And it's like, all right, we're going to sit here and we're going to talk. And I can't I report that. I think it's so crazy. Mm-hmm. It, and that's why it's such a, it's such an important role in the military and why it's so special because there's so many people who are in pain, who are doing bad things, who have done bad things. Well, Thinking about health and maybe now is tanked. Exactly. So the fact that you can be that, that safe 
guy, that safe source where they can come to you and be like, chaps, I, I don't know. I, I'm at a loss here and just talk about it and stuff. And yeah. I think that like, that's how I would like to give back to the Navy in a sense, because it's like, I've been there, I've done that, I've seen things. And, you know, I understand like, you know, you're, you're suffering right now. Let's talk about this and figure out what you need to do. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, chaplains I've talked to and stuff, it's like, that's just like their big selling point where it's like they get to help people in the most critical ways. Um, and that's why it's a really, really, really like, they don't, you, not just anyone comes in to be a chaplain. Like it's like, you've got to go through the ringer and the process and the interviews and, you have and Congress. And, for it. Yeah, exactly. My original calling that I sensed was for hospital chaplaincy. Um, but I still feel that way. Like I'd like to do hospital chaplaincy, but until that happens, it's like to be able to give back to the Navy is like really like, I mean, I think that that would be a really special exit. Um, just to be able to like, give back you know that that's and that's the thing i think i've been seeking in this point in my life is i appreciate the navy so much and love the navy so much for what it did for me but i'm like i want to be able to give back in some way and to be able to have that role you know where you're like that spiritual guidance for them i think it's know. cool and i think your story is unique and interesting mm -hmm. I want to thank you for your time. Mm -hmm. This has been a very pleasant conversation, yeah. uh, very different from my others, but I, I think this was really cool. So thank you again for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much.